Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. Well, you know what time it is. It's Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost. My partner in crime, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Jay, how are you doing today? What's going on, brother? I see you um you changed up the music. I was waiting for some like rock and roll or some some spinners. Or last time we had like some some Motown. Hey, I don't the know, man. that is, was like the, that the, was like the elevator music the, again. What's going the, on there? The knot is still young, you know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, give us give us the give us another couple breaks. We'll we'll have some music right. to throw in there, buddy. I'll hey, try and be more patient. That's okay. Hey. I know you've been busy this week and still got still got another thing or two to do, don't you? Yeah, man, your... it's been crazy. I, I literally just got off the California Chiropractic Association webinar on uh, high performance secrets to driving practice revenue ethically. That's that was today, and then tomorrow I'll be doing Texas Chiropractic Association patients needs and, and experiences post COVID, and then I'm really excited about. Uh, Saturday, which is the um, which is the program that I'm doing for the Professional Football Chiropractic Society, where I'm talking about um, the evidence and science around adaptability and behavior change. It's a, it's a new one for me, and I'm I'm kind of excited to talk about that because hey, man, if there's ever a time that people need to be adaptable and understand behavior, it is now. It's now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what we've got. Uh, you know, this is a top pocket guest we have tonight. Uh, I can't wait. I can't either. And. I've been reading through his bio, his wiki page, and uh, he's a star. He's a he's a rock star. He is a rock star. I mean, he has served our country. He is uh, in law and just all kinds of expertise and things. And uh, I, I'm going to let you introduce him. You've known him. He's new to me. I look forward to. Uh, he's my kind of guy. I look yeah, forward to getting to know him uh, over in the future. So why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, so I'm really excited to introduce France Huang, and he is the CEO of Boodle AI, which is an artificial intelligence company that is doing incredible, unbelievable work in in a wide variety of areas, and fortunately for us, in healthcare now. So, But I'll let France really talk a bit more about himself, introduce himself, provide some background information. France, how are you doing today, bro? Hey, Jay. Great to be here. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I'm always super excited when we get to hang out because I always learn so much from you and and not to mention you've got this incredible positive energy that I just like I just mojo on man I just dig it it's just you've always got this great positive vibe and it's you know when people are doing great things to make the world a better place like you just you're just naturally attracted to people like that and that is definitely you so so France tell everybody about like what you're doing and um and what's most exciting in your world today. Yeah, no, thanks, Jay. And by the way, um, I, I could say the same thing about you. I, I think what you're seeing is uh, I'm feeling is a bunch of reflective energy back from you. I, you know, I, have this, I have this fond belief um, and firm belief that great entrepreneurs are driven by a desire to serve, and you absolutely epitomize that. Like, you, you attack what you do with this passion that uh, I'm also inspired by. Thank you, um, bro. I so, appreciate yeah. it. Brad, Brad's laughing at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you are, you know, you are a, a guy of a big heart and a big soul, Jay. What, what can I say? He's, he's got you tagged right off. And, and, and big hair now, too. That's, he does. Yeah, lots of hair. Impressive. Impressive. France, France, your hair's long, too. We're going to do this together, bro. Yeah, yeah. but you're, you're, you're almost at the poodle level, Jay. You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> France, is, France is really still a really normal-looking guy. You're sort of almost poodle man, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. 
That is awesome. It's true. It's true. So, so you'll have to, we'll have to, eventually these will be video podcasts. You'll be able to see this hopefully. That's yeah. hilarious. Okay, Fritz, yeah. go for it, bro. Okay. Uh, yeah. So what am I up to? So I am the co-founder and chief strategy officer of a company called Boodle AI. We provide people-focused predictive analytics. That's just a very fancy way of taking of saying that we take the data that organizations have, we combine it with huge data sets. So we take data and we turn it into big data. And then we build predictive models that help organizations uh, do sales, marketing, raise donations, uh, raise funds, faster, better, cheaper. So, uh, you know, why am I inspired by this? I, I really feel like we're in the midst of the next industrial revolution. Um, 100 years ago, it was railroads and electricities and cars changing the way society operated and connecting people in a way that we had never been connected before. And then changing a whole bunch of work, right? Manual labor became automated. Same thing's happening today, but it's not manual work, it's intellectual work. Hmm. And now we're not being connected by railroads and cars, we're being connected via the internet and data. And so it's, it's really exciting times, um, but with, with all new technology, there's a lot of learning, there's a lot of opportunity, and there's a lot of challenges. And I think organizations get a sense that there is untapped potential in their data. And whether they tackle that by analyzing themselves, whether they partner with somebody, a consultant or an outside uh, organization that helps them get insights from the data, or whether they use a platform like, like what Boodle AI provides, um, I think there's a keen awareness that um, there's a lot of good that can come from understanding the data that you already have. And so, you know, I, I really feel passionate about using data to help connect organizations better to the people who are passionate about what that organization does. So whether it's a nonprofit trying to raise money, whether it's a, a direct-to-consumer business trying to sell more of their, their awesome product to a customer, or whether it's a professional services organization like a healthcare provider trying to connect, better connect with the customers, with the patients they want and they want to keep. That's awesome. I'll tell you what, what's, just to provide context for the audience. So um, France and I met because uh, I had reached out to Boodle AI and, and you, you know, you got a solid company when, you know, the CEO, you know, gets on these calls with you and it starts talking strategy and it's, it really is a testament to how you run your organization and I really appreciate it. And we sat down with your team and, and you know, we just kind of talked about, you know, what, what was an important pain point for us and we said, France... You know, we're very active in the digital marketing space and we are bringing in lots of new patients, but we're also having patients schedule a fair amount of patients that are scheduling that are no showing. We've got a lot of data. We don't know how to make tales of it. Like we just don't know how to make heads or tails of it. And so we're now working together to literally make heads or tails of it. And, and the project that we're working on is going to glean tremendous insight and help us make better decisions, which ultimately helps us save money and get a better return on investment on our marketing spend. So I'm just like very excited about the work that we're doing together. And I just wanted the audience to know that because this is how we're using data and artificial intelligence in companies like Boodle to actually improve the operations and the impact of chiropractic practices. Yeah, and it's, it's great to partner with a forward thinker like you, Jay, and someone who understands the potential data you know, what's been really exciting is there's, there's three different types of analytics out there. So analytics is getting insights from data. So there's three different types. There's descriptive analytics, what's going on right now. So understanding what's going on in your practice, for example, that's descriptive analytics. There's predictive analytics, which is what's going to happen next, right? Who's going to know show? Who's going to be patient, right? right Who's right. going to respond to this ad? And then there's the most powerful form, which is prescriptive analytics, which is what can I do today to have the effect I want tomorrow. And so, you know, we, we as a company and as a platform operate in all three types of analytics. 
And it's been great to work with you to explore and kind of push the bounds of that, especially in the healthcare provider space. Yeah, it's awesome. Brad knows a little, a little, a thing or two, a little, just a little bit about analytics, right, Brad? I mean, this is kind of it, right up your alley, bro. It is. It is. It's sort of interesting to sit here. That's why I'm trying not to break in very much because I, I am absorbing quite a bit, absorbing quite a bit of this. You know, one of the things that you, you're doing, one of my data scientists, <clears throat> Alex J, that you know, actually his master's project was on this exact problem: is no shows in the healthcare industry. And he had some, he, they actually used live case study uh, data for this. I forgot where it was at, in Ohio or somewhere. Uh, but they actually found quite a few ways to change that. And it's a big problem when you look at it as a, as a medical uh, uh, patients across the United States. It's something like uh, 25, 30% no-shows that occur. And if you start putting a dollar amount to it, it's, it's in the billions of dollars for no-shows. Yeah. And the opportunity cost is there as well, because like if, if you've got someone who's on your schedule and they no show and you could have filled that slot otherwise, you've lost that revenue and you can't really recapture it ever again. So the idea that we can do ultimately prescriptive analytics, which I'm super excited about, is going to make a huge difference in my practices and, and hundreds, if not thousands of practices across the country. So super excited about that. As it relates to the, these emerging technologies and adoption, France, wh what do you see as like the biggest challenge for providers out there? Yeah, I think the, so a couple things, right? So to do good predictive analytics, you need the computing power, you need the models, you need the software, and you need the data. Well, three of those things are in the hands of the people providing you the predictive analytics. The thing that's within your hands is the data itself. So I think mm -hmm. the first big challenge is getting good data. Right. So it's garbage in, garbage out. And a lot right. of people have incomplete data. They have inaccurate data. They have outdated data. And so partnering with somebody that can that can work with what we call messy data is important. And, you know, mm -hmm. part of what we do is we take messy data and we turn it into big data that's usable. Um, that's the front end. The back end challenge is so, you know, we do a fantastic job. We give you all these predictive analytics, Jay. Now you've got to do something with it. Right. You've got to <laughs> right. operationalize it. You've got to. Uh, adoption is the is is what we the term we use right. You've got to adopt it, and you've got to be able to track and measure ROI. Because just like any other piece of technology, there's an iterative portion of this. And so, as I told you, right, we might not get it right at first, but we'll eventually get it right. But there may be some back and forth. And I think um, if an organization already isn't in a place where it's measuring that that kind of level of detail, then you know if it doesn't have a good adoption plan and it doesn't know how to measure the results, then it's not going to get good, good results at the end. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, would you suggest that even if it's like on, a, on an Excel spreadsheet, maybe maybe doctors starting to keep track of maybe their, their biggest pain point, like the number of no-shows or cancellations or mm -hmm. just, just to be able to keep track of that data, even if it's not extractable from their EHR? Yeah, any any form of data gathering around the the issue that you're concerned about, right? In this case, like no shows, right? Or you know who is most responsive to a particular ad campaign? That sure. is what we call um, training data, right? Mm -hmm. And that training data is the fuel that makes predictive analytics run. And so there's nothing more wonderful than for a data scientist or a predictive analytics consultant or a brutal company, a platform like us, to show up and there's great data to work with. And so you're, yeah. doing, you're doing your future partner a favor if you start collecting that information. We were really lucky because we have, we use Genesis chiropractic software. Brad, Brad and I are good friends with, with Brian Capra and, and Eras, the, the owners 
Um, and they've built their system the right way. Like they've built the system where we can literally extract any variable from the system that we need to. And, and that is the future of healthcare. We've got to have access to good, high quality data so we can then use companies like Boodle to be able to make sense of all that information and ultimately drive improved outcomes for patients and improved income for providers. Cause that's the win-win that everybody wants. So Brad, how are we doing on time, brother? Hey, we're doing pretty good. What we're we're pushing uh, pushing out towards the end. Why don't we take a small break? I've got a couple of questions for him when we get back. Uh, so let's let's take a let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back. Thank you. We're talking with Francis Hall. There we go. Little spinners. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at the Florida Chiropractic Association. Join Dr. J and myself at their upcoming Northeast Regional Convention and Expo in St. Augustine, Florida on March the 25th through the 28th. The Florida Chiropractic Association, a true leader in the profession, advocating for the benefits of chiropractic and conservative care throughout America. The number one data jock. Come on! And the data doc of talk is Tech Talk. Well, Jay, we're back. This has been a great, this is a great guest. Uh, I've got so many questions. Amazing. Amazing guest. I've got so many questions I could ask him. It's, it's not, we could spend hours here, but I know we have a very limited time. So tell me, (laughs) could, uh, friends, could you expound on a couple of the projects, uh, even if they're not in healthcare, where you've been very successful with predictive analysis? Yeah. So, um, you know, as I mentioned uh, in the previous block, right, we've got descriptive analysis, predictive analysis, and prescriptive analysis. So I'll give a couple of examples. Uh, One, organizations often have some kind of best customer, best donor, best contributor they want to find more of. And so, you know, they've got a whole universe of people they could approach, but who do they approach, right? And who do they market to or who do they re-engage with? And so we can take a data set of, say, your best patients or your best customers, all we need is names and address, names and phone numbers, names and mailing addresses. We figure out their real world identities. We bring in hundreds, over a thousand data points about that person. And at that point, we can produce a persona. So what was just a list of names and emails or names and phone numbers, all of a sudden we could tell you, did you know your best customer is a woman between the ages of 45 and 54? She likes tennis and likely... Uh, you know, lives in this sort of neighborhood, right? And owns this size house or whatever. And so that just helps a organization better target their marketing and sales and re-engagement efforts. But that's just step one. Um, Then we take it up a notch by building a predictive analytics model using machine learning. And that's just a fancy way of saying, we, we take an algorithm, we combine it with the data, and now we have this model that we can take any other list of names, emails, phone numbers, and addresses, And we can score it and tell the organization who in that second list looks most like and therefore is most likely to resemble and act like the people in the first list. So here's a list of my thousand best patients. I have 100,000 people I could talk to next. Who in this 100,000 should I talk to? We can tell you who should be at the top of the list because they most resemble and thus are most likely to act like your best patient. And so we have done that for any number of organizations in the nonprofit space for fundraising and in the for-profit space for um, for sales. Um, another example is what we call transaction analytics. So we've been talking about, a lot about analyzing people, 
But the who is just one part of the equation. So the other thing we can do is take lists of transactions, every, every walk-in you've had, every sale that you've had, every donation you had, and we analyze the universe of, of transactions. And now we can answer the question of what is trending? Where is it trending? What things are tied together, right? What, what, who buys product A and then buys product B? What campaign is that resulting from? And so we answer the other parts of the equation, which is not just who, but the where and the what and the when in terms of, of targeting and marketing and sales. Yeah, that is incredible. So are you getting a lot of these, these thousand data points that you talk about? Are those coming from public records? And because uh, you mentioned places like addresses and those kind of things, values of properties. Yeah, I thought you might be hooked into Greenstein's uh, contact list. You know, it. It's it's pretty deep. It's pretty deep. <laughs> that's, that's a it's huge data set. It's a huge data set. It's a public too, you know. Yeah, yeah. We, have to, we have to bring another server online to handle the data set. Um, no, look, in today's age of privacy and concerns about that, right, it's a good question. Where is this data coming from? Um, so we partner with reputable data providers who, who have this information. We ourselves do not collect or scrape or gather data. And we certainly never share one person's data with another customer's data. So the, the data that Jay gives me, only Jay gets benefit from, nobody else does. Um, what we do is we combine the data that our organization gives us with this data that we have from these partners inside our system. And then what we give back <laughs> is just the prediction. And so, you know, one of the things that's going to, I think, happen is as people get more concerned about data and data breaches and data privacy, organizations, I think it, it makes sense to partner with someone like Boodle because then we can be the providers of insights and the handlers of all those thousands of data points. And, and an individual organization doesn't have to, right? Jay, Jay doesn't have to go out and buy a data set of millions of records to get predictive analytics. He can just partner with us. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and and as I as I hear you talking, and as I learn more every time I speak with you, um, it reminds me of the book Exponential Organizations by Salim Ismail, and, and and one of the foundational elements of organizations, practices, companies, professions, industries that grow exponentially is they have to be information enabled, mm -hmm. and like what you're doing, France, is you are you are making you are making data sensible so that people can be information able and make better decisions. Cause I know that we're going to be making better marketing spend decisions because of our work together. Like I have no doubt. So it's just, the world is changing from, Hey, let's spend money and shoot, shoot in the dark and see if it works to, we have a high probability of this working. And if it doesn't work, we can tweak it and then we'll get smarter next time. And I think that idea of continuous improvement is just the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So there's a, there's a great, um, there's a great speaker who uh, was part of the great British rowing team that won the Sydney Olympics. And he has a whole business around this idea that um, the year before they won their gold medal as dark horses, they asked one question at all times, which is, does this make the boat go faster? That's the only, every time they went out drinking, every time they trained, they asked themselves, does this, does this make the boat go faster? Now that presumes, of course, they know what makes the boat go faster. Right. And so as a question, you know, first, it's good to know what your goals are in your end state and have an organizational organizing question or principle. But then you need a way to measure if what you're doing is actually accomplishing that. And that is the power of data. Right. Yep. It yep. gives you the answer to the question you're asking. 100 percent. Love that. Are you ever shocked with clients that amazed at the amount of data that you have? Because I know in, in some of the classes Jay and I have taught over the years, 
docs are really shocked that somebody knows that this information outside of their own little office and they, they just don't understand how interconnected the world is today with data. Yeah, we are generating a lot of information. So we call it, um, the term is digital exhaust, right? Our actions in the, in the real world and in the digital world generate a tremendous amount of digital exhaust, right? Down to, you know, every website you visit, everything you click on, you know, every, uh, you know, every ad you view, um, everything you sign up for. And of course, there is all this action around tracking this, right? So there's these things called cookies that sit on your browser and in some cases can actually track not just what you do on one website, but other websites. And in fact, those things, the equivalent also exists on your phones. By the way, something that's going to happen in the next 18 to 24 months, um, Google has announced that it is going to stop the sharing of cookie information from one website to another. And a lot of predictive analytics, a lot of ad tech is based around cookies. Yeah. It, you know, you know, they might not know. They might not know it's me, but they know that somebody with my identity is going from website A to website B and website C and can follow and provide that feedback. And so, one of the one of the uh, things that's going to happen in the marketing industry is they're going to have to figure out how to continue to do uh, advertising and marketing in a cookie-less world. Some people are calling it the cookie apocalypse. By the way. <laughs> That's how severe of a problem this is. Oh my God. This is so the name of our podcast, Brad, the cookie apocalypse. This has got to be, this is this episode's title for sure. Well, hold on. I, there, it sounds like there's more to this story. Is there more? Friends, there is in the, in the sense of like, I think for a lot of folks, right. Uh, their solution to how do I do this, you know, use AI or marketing or sales because they just outsource it, right. I'm going to use Facebook ads or I'm going to buy Google AdWords. I'm just going to pay an algorithm, you know, a company and an algorithm to get it right. Um, that is a solution, right? But I think increasingly people are going to want a better solution, one that's portable, one that's not relying upon cookies, and one where they can control and, and understand how the technology works. I talk to my team about it all the time. Like, we've, it's got to be predictable. Like we, like, we can't keep just throwing money at stuff and mm -hmm. seeing, you know, the shit, you know, sticks. It's like, and, and again, that's why we're working with you guys, because... This is the this is the future as far as we're concerned. Being able to work with Boodle is is a huge opportunity for us to be a smarter business, and smarter businesses end up making more money. And that's for adding value. Then we should, right? Hundred percent agree. I tell you what, we're at a good point here. Let's take another break, and uh, we'll be back. We're talking with Francis Hall. Cookie apocalypse. You are listening to Tech Talk Healthcare. Today's guest is Mr. Francis Hong, co-founder of Boodle AI. He was a graduate of West Point and an American veteran that served in Operation Enduring Freedom as the executive officer of the U.S. Army Special Forces. Tech Talk is heard on Anchor FM and many other internet radio stations around the globe. Thank you for joining us. Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. Tech Talk. It's Tech Talk. All right. It's Dr. J here with my good friend, Brad Koss, and my other good friend, France Huang. Good to see you guys. We're doing segment number three and um, really excited to dig a little, little deeper. You know, so we like to ask, you know, personal stuff and, and get, some, get some insights to 
who these entrepreneurs are as as human beings. So, so Brad, I know you got a couple of questions for France. Well, you know, we we would be amiss if we did not ask you some questions about your military service, because uh, you you've got a, a top shelf military service, something I'm sure you're extremely proud of. And just a moment to say thank you for your service to America. Yes, and thank the you. So you did, yeah. Thank you, absolutely. But man, if I'm sitting here reading through your Bronze Star Medal, Notorious uh, Service Medal, Army Reserve Component Achievement Medal, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. You served uh, as a platoon leader in the 95th Military Police Battalion. You even spent time in Kansas, it looks like, Fort Leavenworth. Voluntarily, I might add. <laughs> you were on the right side of the bars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, so I, I, I know Fort Leavenworth. So that's, uh, anyway, that's, that's amazing history. Uh, just, can you just speak a minute about serving in the military, what it meant to you, what you did, and, and some of the things you learned from that? Uh, yeah, thank, thanks for asking the question, Brad. Thanks for the opportunity to, to speak and be on the podcast today. Uh, so let me back up the story a little bit. So I was actually born in Saigon, Vietnam, in the closing days of the Vietnam War. Wow. And I was part of the evacuation um, by the U.S. of over 110,000 Vietnamese allies in the, in the weeks uh, that followed uh, the American evacuation of its own soldiers from South Vietnam. And so this uh, this amazing operation, which not a lot of people know about, called Operation Win Win, uh, rescued over 100,000 Vietnamese. These were allies in the United States, um, including my parents. My father was a South Vietnamese Army officer. My mother was a, uh, worked for the U.S. Naval Attaché. And had it not been for the Americans, I would have probably grown up uh, in Vietnam, an orphan, and my life would be completely and radically different. And so, you know, instead got evacuated on a C-141 Starlifter, landed in Guam. Uh, then my family came to the United States. The very first house that I ever lived in in the United States was a Marine Corps GP medium tent at Camp Pendleton and uh, got the opportunity to, to grow up here and all the amazing opportunities that this great nation offers. And growing up and learning about my family's history, I really felt the desire to give back uh, to, the, to the country in general, but to the military in particular. And so... That really drove my decision to attend West Point. And so I went to West Point because I felt I owed a debt to this country and, uh, and was proud to go there and proud to serve as an Army officer for the next five years. Um, and, you know, even after I continued my service out of uniform by being a lawyer and working in um, President George W. Bush's White House, uh, I felt a, a continued desire to serve. And so that's why uh, in the spring of 2009, I rejoined the military uh, at the age of 35, became an Army captain again and actually deployed to Afghanistan as the executive officer of a company of 87 Green Berets. And, and once again, had the, just the incredible honor and privilege of leading America's sons and daughters uh, in, in combat. And, uh, and it was after that experience when I came back that I became an entrepreneur. And, and as I mentioned, I truly do believe that great entrepreneurs are driven by a desire to serve. And that's, that's what people in uniform do is serve. Um, it was also driven by the fact that my risk tolerance at that point was probably pretty high. I figured if, if it's, nobody was trying to blow me up with an IED on the roadside, you know, this is better. Anything starting, better a company, starting a company is pretty, pretty good, pretty easy. Uh, yes. <laughs> In comparison. Right. So. 
That's amazing, dude. If you were in front of me, dude, I, I'm, I'm a chiropractor. We're huggers. I would have just, gave, yeah. I'd give you a big fucking hug. Yeah. I'm serious, man. I'm just, I'm grateful for what you've done. And I am so impressed. I mean, like you don't just get into West Point. It's not like going to the local community college, right, Brad? It's like, right. you've got to be like crazy smart and have crazy great grades and have all, I don't even know, there's other requirements. I think you need like letters of recommendation. Is that right, Prince? Yeah, yeah actually, so it's a two-part Senator part. or something? Yeah, you have to get a nomination from a member of Congress or the, a senator or vice president, and then you have to get accepted to West Point. So you've got to hit both pieces of the equation. I was, I was very fortunate. It's just really, really cool. Your story is amazing. And, and um, just having you as a leader in our, in our country is, is a privilege. So thank you. Yeah, it is. Thank you again. And, and again, a lot of people go through the military service, but you just, you are at the very top of it. And uh, uh, gratitude is just unbelievable for the service and the things that you've seen in that period of time. I'm sure just, we could go on hours and hours and hours talking about that. But again, thank you very much. I, I also want to bring in, I try to bring a little bit of personal, I, I see you're married and have kids. Can you tell us a little bit about that? No, I like to refer to them as my favorite startups. So I've got a, <laughs> a six-year-old daughter, a, a three-year-old son, and a, and a one-year-old daughter. And uh, I try to be a very active investor in these startups. They are, they are the uh, apple of my eye. Um, I once heard somebody say that having children is like having your heart walk outside of your chest. And in my case, it feels like that every single day. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, they're, they're delightful. And I also, awesome. I, I also see you're studying um, or have been studying martial arts. Is that because of your family history or, or just yeah, some... per, personal interest? Um, so I was very fortunate after I left the military the first time and before I went to law school, actually had a wonderful opportunity. Uh, I was what's called an Uchi Deshi. So um, Uchi um, Deshi means house student. So I actually lived in Japan and trained under a Japanese sword teacher um, in, in his school and, wow. and spent, uh, spent a summer doing that. And it's a fantastic experience. It's like, it's like an old school apprenticeship. You know, you, you show up um, hard days, long nights. Uh, he doesn't actually teach you. He mainly uses you to teach upon. And so, you know, that's how you learn through osmosis. And so that's how I, um, I study a, a style of uh, kind of esoteric Japanese swordsmanship. And, and that's where I first picked it up. So do you, awesome. do you have an amazing sword in, that you've collected, just the, just one of those old historic swords? Um, I have several. Um, so they're called, um, you know, katanas. katanas uh, I have yep. several. Um, some are for practice, they're wood. Some are for training, for drawing, called eidos. And I have a couple ones that are actually sharp, which is called a, a shinken. Um, by the way, shinken is one of my favorite words. In Japanese language often contains these kind of double entendres. And telling the truth in a hard way is uses the same word as a live blade. It's both, it's, both of them are called being like shinken is, is the term used. So I thought it was, I always love that image. You know, <laughs> I love I that. Think, That's super cool. That's yeah. a whole new meaning to double-edged sword, huh? Yes, Tell the exactly. truth or die by the sword. <laughs> <laughs> We got to remember oh, that, Jay. Funny. Maybe know, we man, could maybe we stuff. could get him to come to Washington and uh, uh, trim that poodle cut. That's what they say. I don't know about anything sharp enough to cut that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it would take something six hundred years old. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's too funny. Don't you just love funny. it, Jay? Don't you just love I, it? I do. It's fun, man. It's fun. It's always fun. Um, that's just great stuff. That is great stuff. Can I ask you a little bit more um, about your family? How, how did you meet your wife? Yeah, so uh, I was very fortunate in, uh, we met through mutual friends at a party in DC. Um, I looked up 
and saw this beautiful woman looking at me, which doesn't really happen. She came up to me and she goes, where do I know you from? And I was like, that's funny. I thought I know you from somewhere as well. It turns out we didn't know each other from anywhere. And just, just felt like we did. It's the universe, baby. That's yeah. the universe. Yeah. So I, then I, I proceeded to ask her on a date. Uh, we went on a date. And then it took me six years to get a second date. Uh, because apparently I'm terrible at first dates, but we, <laughs> it, it stuck the second time around and, and she stuck around. And, uh, in, uh, the weekend after I turned 40, uh, we got married in, in Breckenridge and oh, nice. that, was the, that was the start of our great adventure together. That's great. Okay. So you got to tell us what happened on that first date or what did she say her experience was on that first date? Yeah. I, you know, she was post-call. She's a doctor. So she was post-call. She was doing residency. I was in a clerkship. I think it was just right person, wrong time. Yeah, we, yeah. Like we liked each other, but it just, you know, we I think we met about six years too early. But that was fine. It gave us six years to be friends and to know one another and to, to wonder what if. Um, great story. That yeah. is a great story. And talk about a power couple, a doctor, uh, a um, technology guy with a military history. I mean, I don't think it would get any better. Sort of like right? Dave Courtney, Jake. It's I mean, it just... <laughs> It is. It is great. Well, listen, Francis, material, man. Yeah, Francis, we really appreciate the time that you've given us today. And uh, again, some amazing things that you're doing. I look forward to following you and uh, see what's going on. I'll watch you through Jay also and see what, what you and Jay put together. But uh, but I look forward to the future. We'll have to have you back uh, and, yeah. and talk some Love more because back. this is way too short of a period of time. And uh, so let, let's just throw it out. If, if any of our doctors are interested in talking with you or your organization, do you have a website that you, you would send them to or a number they would call? How would you like for them to get hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. www.boodle.ai. Or they can send me an email, France, like the country, at boodle.ai. I would love to talk to, to anybody. And, and even if it's not Boodle that you're interested, you just have questions about data and AI and predictive analytics. Love talking about this. That's awesome. That is great. Thanks so much, France, for being here today. You rocked it, man. I, I always love hanging out with you. I learned so much, and you were a great guest. So thank you. My, my pleasure. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Well, Jay, you've got to you got to fill out a couple more sessions Saturday. I know you're excited about doing the sports one, and that's a that's been a big yeah. part of your life. I know since I've known you, and uh, so uh, uh, good luck on that. And and again, it's you know it's that time sort of to say goodbye. All right, brother. I appreciate it very much. We look Brad, forward Brad, to it. First off, you bet. You, were, you guys are all awesome. Thanks for having me, Brad. I think it's awesome. You've got a picture of Jay over your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. Is that my dog? That's Is a that poodle in case about? you can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is great. Thank you very much. Uh, you've been listening to Tech Talk. Uh, it's, uh, we thank you for joining us. Go to our Facebook page. Thanks, everybody. From uh, myself, Brad Cost, and Dr. Jay Greenstein. Have a good day. See y'all. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at the Florida Chiropractic Association. Join Dr. Jay and myself at their upcoming Northeast Regional Convention and Expo in St. Augustine, Florida, on March the 25th through the 28th. The Florida Chiropractic Association a true leader in the profession, advocating for the benefits of chiropractic and conservative care throughout America. Come on! And the data doc of talk is Tech Talk.